you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning. Do, do me another favor. Turn to somebody on your right or your left and just say Happy Easter with a big smile. Come on. Now turn to your second choice and say not so much. Man, we sure are glad that you're with us today. I mean that. We're going to say that a lot, and that's because we value your decisions and your time, and we know that you could be anywhere right now, but you chose to hang out with us, and man, what a privilege it is for us to spend some time with you. And I've got some great things I want to share today, and because it's second service, I've gotten permission to go for two and a half hours. I'm excited about that. I'm kidding. But I want to draw your attention to a card for a moment, so if everyone in here will do me a quick favor and reach in your worship guide. And inside that is a survey card. Go ahead and pull it out. Everybody from the front to the back, side to side, uh, the youngest to those, not just per family, but per person. Even if you aren't going to even fill this out, just just fake it with me so I don't get a complex. And here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to draw your attention to a couple things on here. And uh, and, and, then you can help us out, if you will. On the front there, it's got some information for you to put down. Maybe check the box if you're new here. Let us, just let us know. But also, we pray for people by prayer request and by name every week, and we would love to know how to pray for you. So do me a favor and fill that out on the front of your card. Now, for those of you that didn't grab your card, I'm praying for your soul right now. But for everyone else, do me a favor. On here, there's a couple questions I want to draw your attention to. And here's what I would ask. Just take a moment and help us out. There's two questions at the very top I'm going to ask you to fill out for us. And number one is, how did you find out about the movement church? You can help us. You see, we're committed to reaching people who may not have a church home. And in fact, there's a debate between me and some of our staff members on what is the most effective way so you can help settle that debate. Let us know. Even if you've been here for years, just write down how you found out, whether it's a friend or you heard about a really good looking senior pastor, whatever it might be, write that down. And and let us know. Number two, and this is super important. Really, this is probably one of the most important things on this card. Would you write down one topic that you would like for us to teach on here at the Movement Church? You see, we're committed to really try to impact every person who walks in the door, regardless of what stage or phase of life you are walking through. Everyone in here is in a different stage or phase. Some of you have teenagers in the home, and you pray for me. I'm there right now. And some of you have a brand new baby. You're just trying to navigate losing sleep all the time. Can I get an amen from some people? Okay, yes. Some of you are here, and you're single and desperately willing to mingle, and we want to just know. So here's, that was a little bit funnier in the first service then here in the second. But here's what we want to know. Every stage and phase of life creates new questions. And we want to know what are the questions that you're asking. And here's the truth. Every stage and phase has different hurdles that it brings. So we'd love to know what are the hurdles that you're facing. If you could hear one topic that the Bible says about blank, would you let us know? And here's what we're going to do as a church. In June, we're going to do a series called You Asked For It. And we're going to pick the top six things that come in today 
and we're going to create a series centered around those topics. So let us know. Is that cool? Can you do that? Now take that survey card and put it away for a moment. I'm going to jump into today's message as they're killing the fog machine because it looks like we've been hotboxing in this room for far too long. And so, and they're turning the air condition on, by the way. So I see you fanning yourselves, but you do look really hot. So that's a good thing. So I, I want to jump into today's message. But before we do that, Here's what I want to encourage you. You can follow along with me today by texting the word notes to the number that's on the screen. And I'll tell you why. I, I have put all of my notes, every scripture we're going to use. Not only will it be on the screen behind me, but it's in your phone and you can reference. I'm actually going to challenge you to write down a couple of things today. And I'd love for you to follow along. But here's what we're going to do. In a moment, I'm going to pray for us. And I say this almost every week because I feel like it merits it. I mean, most of us coming to Easter, we, some of us went shopping for clothes and we bought things that we're only going to wear to weddings. That's why I'm wearing a jacket. I feel like I'm wearing man spanks. I feel completely confined, like I can't even breathe. I'm uncomfortable. Anybody else feel uncomfortable for me? Okay, thank you. And so, you know, we just, we buy clothes that we may not wear all the time and it's Easter. We've got a meal to go to and an egg hunt and oh my gosh. And I just want to tell you, look, we got a few minutes left together today. Let's just kind of, everybody take a deep breath and relax. Just a few more moments. And here's what I want to challenge you with. Regardless of what was going on in your life prior to the moment you walked through the doors of this building, I believe God wants to do something awesome in your life. But we have to be open and ready to receive it. So here's how I'm going to pray, regardless of what it is that you believe. And by the way, if you're here and you're not sure what it is you believe, permission to belong before you believe. But I'm just going to pray that God would open our hearts and ears to hear and receive whatever it is that he wants to do. Can we do that? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? No one looking around. God, we just come before you and we thank you for what you're doing in this place. We thank you that you have great purposes and plans for us. And today on Easter Sunday, we just open our hearts and our ears to hear and receive whatever it is that you want to do. We give you permission to rearrange the proverbial furniture of our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Well, I, uh, I am not passive aggressive by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, those of you that don't know me, uh, this might be news to you, but I'm, I'm kind of an aggressive individual. I'm not usually one to run from fights. My wife's laughing a little too hard on the front row. I'm not usually one to run from fights. I, in fact, I love debating. Does anybody else love to? You know why? Because I always win, 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 no matter what, and I just kind of move on. And so I, I'm not usually one to, to shy away from those things. If there's an environment that needs leadership, nine out of 10 times, I'm going to stand up and lead man. That's just kind of who I am and, and what I am about, except for one scenario in life. And some of you might be able to identify with this. Some of you might be able to relate. But for me, that one scenario is when I show up to a restaurant with a group of people that I'm going to eat dinner with. And the dichotomy begins to emerge of where is everyone going to sit? 
He wants to sit by her. She wants to sit by him. And nobody wants to sit next to the person who can't carry on a conversation. Can I get an amen from some people? Maybe that's me. I don't know. But it's a challenging component. And so right there, we need a decision to be made. We need leadership to emerge. Somebody make a decision. So being the leader that I am, I sneak to the restroom and let my wife decide where everybody's going to sit. Literally, I don't even tell her. I'm just gone. She'll turn around trying to find me, and I'm literally in. If you ever go to a restaurant with me, I'm telling you, we'll walk in, I go to the restroom, and I just hang out until everybody's got their seats, right? And you know why that is? It's because every time we show up at a table, especially at dinner, no one likes the idea of not having a seat. And why is that? Because instantly we feel like we just don't quite fit in. And I want to just encourage you with one thought today. And if you don't hear anything else, maybe this is the thought to take away. And that is that no matter what, God looks at you today and says, hey, you belong. You belong. Today, we're starting a brand new series. This is week one of a series called The Table. Everyone say The Table. And the title of my message today is Take a Seat. Everybody say, Take a Seat. We're starting this today, and my hope and prayer is that you'll join us for the duration of this series, and we're going to do so looking through the lens of some quite random Bible characters. In fact, this is very different for most pastors to do on an Easter Sunday, but I feel like it's so important that we can do this together. So I'm going to read today from 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. Look at this and just tell me, I, I, I'm just, be open to what God can do. Ready? 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4, the scripture will be on the screen. It says this, Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son who was crippled in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled. And as she fled, in her haste, he fell and became lame. And his name was, this is a good one, Mephibosheth. Now, you know what's interesting about this passage is we are told of his limitations and inadequacies before we're actually even given his name. And I feel like a lot of people live life like that, feeling like people only see your inadequacies and don't really see the true you. We jump down a couple of verses later in 2 Samuel chapter 9, and we see a new part of the story begin to emerge. And it says this, the king asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul whom I can show God's kindness? And Ziba answered, another great name, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both of his feet. And David said, where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, he's at the house of Machir, son of Emil in Lodavar. Verse five, the king David had him brought from Lodavar from the house of Machir, son of Emil. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to him to pay honor, and the lights went dim. David said, Mephibosheth, and he said, at your service. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. I want to draw attention right there. David is inviting Mephibosheth and saying, you will always have a place at my table. Verse 8, Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Now, two of you in this room are so blown away by that scripture, you don't even need me to preach a message but the rest of us are a little confused by all of the names. Can I get an amen today? So here's what I figured I would do for you. Are you all ready? Everybody take a deep breath. 
I'm going to give you 60 years of Israel's history in 60 seconds. Illustrated by our children's pastor, Joe Boyd. Here we go. 60 years of Israel's history in 60 seconds. So Israel wanted a king. They didn't have a king. And they went to God and said, hey, we want a king. Just like everybody else has a king. And God was like, you don't need a king. You've got me. And they kept complaining and whining like your children do when you're at a grocery store. And they said, give us a king. So he gave them a king anyways. Enter King Saul, Israel's first king. Is that not spectacular right there? Saul had a son named Jonathan, and Jonathan and his descendants were the rightful heirs to the throne. Jonathan also had a best friend named David. Everybody say David. Now, you know David. He's the same David of the story of David and Goliath. Now, Saul rejected God, and God was like, deuces, you lose the kingdom. And now David is going to become king. Now, before David becomes king, Jonathan and Saul find themselves surrounded by some bad guys. Everybody say, arg. Saul and Jonathan were both killed. Everybody say, aw. Now, after this, David becomes king, and years later, he has this idea. Bing! David asks, are there any descendants of Jonathan or his father, Saul? And they're like, yep, there is, but he's lame or paralyzed. Oh, and his name is Mephibosheth. And David was like, how did that happen? And they were like, get this. When he was a baby, his nanny was watching them. She found out about Saul and Jonathan's death, and she didn't want the past to be repeated and the baby to be killed, so she freaked out and she ran. She ran so far away, and in her haste, she dropped the baby, Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, and now he's paralyzed and he can't walk, and David said, go get him and tell him I have a seat for him at my table, 60 years of Israel's history in 60 seconds, please, Woo. and a little flock of seagulls. Can you imagine being dropped? Can you imagine? Some of us don't even have to imagine. We've been there. Some of you are like, I'm positive my husband was dropped when he was a child. I'm not talking about that kind of drop. I'm talking about the kind of drop where I, am, I feel like I'm constantly being let down. Like in every area of life, it just ends in disappointment. I'm talking about the kind of drop where I feel forgotten or rejected or feel like I don't fit in or I don't belong. For maybe for you, it was a marriage that you thought was going to last and for whatever reason, it just didn't work out and now you feel dropped. Or maybe you were that person at the top of a list when a business was downsizing and they say, hey, we've got to let you go and you were dropped. Or perhaps you're a student who desperately wants to get into a specific college for a specific field and you found out I just didn't make the cut and you felt dropped. No one likes the idea or the feeling of being dropped. Whether it was dramatic and emotional for you or not, being dropped literally has an effect on us. It has an effect on you. Why? Because you now preemptively strike by dropping expectations. Years ago, 10, 15, 20, for some of us, three, if I was to sit down and say, tell me about your future. You would paint a vivid picture articulating where you're going to live, what kind of job you're going to have, who you're going to be married to with 2.5 children. I always feel bad for the 0.5 children. <laughs> and now if I was to sit down with you after enough disappointment, after enough frustration and say, hey, tell me about your future, you would say, man, I'm just trying to make it to next month. Or if I'm really honest, I'm just trying to make it through the week. I mean, look at the origin of this fateful drop. 
This nanny had, in an attempt to spare Mephibosheth from an awful past, actually makes a decision that leads to his paralysis. Let me just pause right here for a moment. You can't live life trying to avoid repeating the past. When I live life running from my past, trying not to make a mistake, I stop looking toward the future and all that God has for me. I spend my life running like this, looking backwards, not seeing what God has in front of me. Some of us in this room need to stop living life with the inner vow, I will never be like so-and-so. I will never be, my dad wasn't there. When I'm a father, that, I will not be anything like him. Why? Because when you end up looking backward while running forward, you're sure to drop something. Often we live life looking to the past. Hey, look at me, people. You can't grab a hold of everything that God has for you if you or someone else in your life is constantly saying, look how so-and-so turned out. You better try not to be like them. Watch out how this. Hey, you can get married, but never trust a man. Remember your father. Remember your uncle, your grandfather. He just always abandoned us. Get married, but don't trust them. Some people in this room today are thinking, man, if I hadn't done this, or if I just changed that, maybe right now I'd be married, but now I'm single and I'm wondering, will I ever get married? Is there anyone out there for me? The problem is so many of us are, are just stuck in the process of rehearsing the past or running from it. And unintentionally, we sabotage our future. So many of us today walked in just like that feeling like I've been dropped. And can I just tell you the truth is, the Bible says that whether you feel that way or not, we were born dropped. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fall short, which means that all of us, you and me, were born dropped. Isn't that encouraging on Easter Sunday? I don't say this to magnify your failures. Look at me. I say this to illustrate our need for a savior. All of us have a need for a savior. So where do I go from here? What, what am I supposed to do? Do I have a seat at the table? The truth is I have no clue. I'm, I'm just kidding. Here's what I wanna tell you. That, that's exactly what this series is about. That no matter where you've come from, no matter your mistakes, no matter how paralyzed you feel, nothing on this earth can separate you from what God has in store for you. Let me just pull back the curtains a little bit to my life. Many of you know me, some of you don't. Please don't hold anything that I'm about to say against me. But I am a millennial, married to a Gen Xer. That's right, I married an older woman. I worked that into every sermon. I'm a millennial married to a Gen Xer raised by boomers. Do we have any boomers in the house today? All before cell phones and the internet, before Al Gore had a chance to invent it. Y'all are like, I don't know who Al Gore is. So you're my people, millennials. I grew up in the era and the time where I could ride my bike across the city, not the street, the city, miles away. And you know when I had to be back? Dark. Be home by dark. I remember my first cell phone. I remember playing Snake on my Nokia 3310. Anybody out there? That was like my fourth one, but I'm just letting you feel good right now. 
The reason I had to come home at a certain time is because it was the most important time of any day. No matter what was happening, whether it was winter, spring, summer, or fall, rain or shine, we were having dinner as a family at the table. Now, I'm one of seven kids, so our dinner table is like a picnic table for a lot of people. (laughs) And at the dinner table, we had family meetings, and we had big discussions. We had lots of laughs, but above everything, it was this constant reminder that I am home and I belong here. And one of the things I loved about the way that I was raised is our front door was always open and people would just randomly stop by, not creepers, (laughs) friends, acquaintances. It was known the Robinson's house is always open. And growing up, I didn't have a lot of money. Our family was without a lot of times. Sometimes we had potatoes again because they were cheap to feed seven kids. Can I get an amen? Some of you are picturing some old school television show like the Waltons, and that's exactly right. (laughs) But what I loved is that no matter what, and no matter who showed up, we'd find more food and we'd make more room because you belong here too. And that's what the table represents with God. That there's a place where you belong. That's why as a church, we have signs all over the property that say, welcome home. So that you know, hey, you belong here even before you believe. Even if you don't want to belong, we still love you. Everyone belongs here and everyone has a seat at the table. That's what this series is about. You have a seat at the table. I want you to take down three things. I want you to write down three things. I want you to remember these and take them home in reference to your seat at the table. Y'all ready? Write this down. Number one, say, my seat is searching for me. My seat is searching for me. We find Mephibosheth in this city called Lodavar. Lodvar is actually how you pronounce it. And this is a place where you would go if you didn't want to be found. And yet we find that Mephibosheth has settled there. Now, in this day and age, getting around as a crippled individual, as a paralyzed individual, would have been very difficult. Actually, it would have been daunting. But this wasn't his only problem in that day. As an individual who was crippled, he would have been considered a social outcast. He wouldn't have been able to be around city officials or leaders. He would not have even been able to enter into a temple. So Lodvar was this this place of settling. And while it was a physical location for Mephibosheth, I believe for many of us, it's an emotional and a spiritual location. And we walked in here today feeling like outcasts, thinking people might know me, but they don't really know me. And I wanna just challenge you that if you're here today and you've settled, then that's an indication that something inside you might be broken. If you've got to the place where you just think, man, this is as good as it gets, where you just settle for quick fixes of happiness instead of true joy because that seems completely unattainable. Settling for a man that that doesn't even appreciate you, but you just are so desperate to get married that you think it's fine. Or settling for a woman who doesn't honor you, but because we've been together so long, I know we probably shouldn't get married, but we're going to because it's comfortable. Settling for a job that's not heading anywhere because it's safe. We walk through life settling, willing to go through life unnoticed when you and I were created to be world changers. 
And then what we do is we convince ourselves that this life may not be great and it may not be awesome, but it's mine because it's safe. My friends, if that's you, then you're living in Lodvar. And so here we find Mephibosheth who's settled in this community making the best of his life, completely unaware that there are people in the king's palace talking specifically about him. And I want to encourage you, friends, to know that God has been working on your behalf behind the scenes, whether you know it or not. I actually believe at the core of who I am that God orchestrated every moment of your life, articulated every challenging season, every exciting moment, every failure, every hurt, every pain, and literally orchestrated it to this moment, this day on Easter Sunday, 2018, that we would be together in this room. Why? Because I believe God has something profound for you. Mephibosheth was hiding not only because he was paralyzed, but he was also hiding because of the customs of that day and age. It was customary for an incoming king to literally exterminate all of the family of the former king. And so he wasn't only hiding because of his paralysis, but because he thought that his past was a death sentence. And so many of us in this room are hiding because we believe that our past is a death sentence if it's ever exposed. You feel like the abortion you had cancels out God's plan for you. You feel like your failed, failed marriage cancels out God's love for you. You didn't want to walk through the doors of the church because you think that your past disqualifies you. There's so many of us that are so worried about our past, but you need to know it's not your past that gives you a right to your future, but it's who Jesus is. And that's good news for us. Mephibosheth was hiding because of his heritage, but he didn't know that grace had already been extended to him. You see, his father Jonathan had connected with David before Jonathan passed away, and he said, hey, when I'm dead and gone, don't forget my family. Would you extend grace to them? And David did just that. And it's the same type of grace that Jesus extends to us today. In fact, my friends, this is the greatest news. Jesus is constantly saying on a daily basis, moment by moment, even in your darkest moment, I choose you. I love what the Bible verse Romans chapter 5 says. It paints a vivid picture. Starting in verse 17, it says this, death once held us in its grips. And by the blunder of one man, death reigned as king over humanity. That one man that the scripture is referring to is Adam. We know the story of Adam and Eve and the fall of man, but look at how the scripture moves on. It says, but now how much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life? That, that reference of reigning as kings in life is just referencing living in the purpose that God created us for enjoying re our regal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus, the Messiah. You need to know that Jesus, the Bible says, counted it pure joy to crawl upon the cross and take the shame and the sin of all humanity on his back. You see, sin has a consequence, and you and I get this. If you speed down the interstate and a police officer is there, he's going to pull you over and give you a ticket. Jesus considered it joy to crawl upon the cross and take the sin and shame of all hu humanity from Mother Teresa to Hitler. He paid the price, the penalty. 
and the ransom for our sin. So my friends, you don't have to hide because of your past. Just simply accept what Jesus has done for your future. You need to know that your seat is searching for you. Here's some more good news. It's not waiting for you to get perfect. It's not based on your heritage. It's not about having perfect church attendance, but it's based upon the grace of God. Point number two, write this down. My seat is secure. My seat is secure. When Mephibosheth came before David, he fell on his face and he says, I'm dead as a dog. Why? Because he was so afraid that his past was going to disqualify him that he literally contorted himself to how he felt. And isn't it cre- cre- crazy how for many of us, and he, for, as it was for him, his outward appearance began to reflect his inner feelings. And we do this all the time. So many of us proverbially contort our lives in an attempt to deflect. We contort in numerous ways and and we do this to survive insecurity and rejection. It looks different for all of us. If you're like me in my earlier years, I would use over the top sarcasm. I prided myself on being the funny guy but I did so in an attempt to push people away before they could get close enough and have a chance to reject me. It's a contortion. For others of us, we put up walls in our life, not trusting anyone, assuming that people will end up, once they see who I really am, discarding me like so many have before, while others of us become super charismatic and outgoing and funny, hoping that we can win everyone over and no one will ever reject me. And still others become super controlling, trying to control everyone and every circumstance and every environment around me so that there are no surprises. All of this in an attempt to avoid people finding out who I truly am. I want to pause right here and just encourage you and and challenge you to be here next week for part two of this series where we're going to talk about how our current discomfort is a setup for God to do something awesome. Mephibosheth, he didn't realize that it was his father and not his inabilities that made his, made his seat possible. It was what Jonathan had done that made his seat at the table possible, not his paralysis, not anything else. And I just wonder how you would live differently if you knew that what happens is life isn't based upon who you are, but what God has done. I wonder how you'd live differently if you knew that your seat at the table is established by Jesus, not established by anything else. I love how Ephesians 2, 4 paints this picture so clearly. It paints the picture of how there's nothing we can do to work to earn the seat at the table. It says this, but because of the great love, his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, in other words, he never runs out of mercy. There's always enough for all of humanity. He made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. There's nothing you can do to lose your seat at the table. And I know that so many of us believe that God is just waiting on us to make a mistake again, just watching, to pull that chair out from under us, say, nope, you lost out. You did it again. But God's never like that. He says, there's always a seat at the table for you. He's given you a seat and it's secure. It's not going anywhere. I wonder how differently you would act, how differently you would believe and risk differently and 
think differently, worry less, maybe sleep more if you knew. It had nothing to do with your credentials or your accomplishments that got you a seat at the table. That's the message of who Jesus is. He's given you a seat and it's yours no matter what. Point number three, we're almost finished. You guys smell the waffles yet? <laughs> Point number three, it's my choice to sit down. It's my choice to sit down. Here we see Mephibosheth with a decision to make. He's standing in the court with the king and he's hearing of all the things that David has said to him. I'll give you your land and everything that you, that was your grandfather's. It's all yours and you'll always have a seat at my table. He's heard of how the one who had come before him has prepared a way for his past to be forgiven. But he still has to decide, do I trust the king enough to sit down? And I feel like we find Mephibosheth in this dichotomy stuck in the middle, if you will. And he sees the king and what the king has to offer and what his future can look like and how bright it truly is. At the while, simultaneously, Lodavar is pulling him back saying, hey, but if you remember, it wasn't much and it was filled with pain and filled with lack and, and you wanted more, but it was comfortable. It was safe. And you always knew what to expect. I think so many of us are in that same quandary today. Do I settle for what I know or strive towards my future? I think Mephibosheth was plagued with this notion that the life I'm living is not the life I was created to live. And I wonder if I could sit down over coffee one-on-one -on -one with each of you, how many of you would say, yeah, that's me. The life I'm living is not the life I was created to live. I know there's more. And maybe even today you can sense God inviting you to a spiritual place, to a next step. You can sense God doing that. And you, you want to know why? Because God sees greatness in you that you don't even see in yourself. That's the goodness of who God is. He sees what feels like death and breathe life into it. That's why we celebrate Easter. Not because Jesus died on the cross, but because he conquered death. Because three days later, the tomb was empty. And that's what God wants to do in your life today is bring what feels like dead to life. That's why we sing a song. The resurrected king is resurrecting me. Why? Because God wants to resurrect things in your life that feel dead. To resurrect relationships. To resurrect some dreams. To resurrect some hope. That's the business that he's in. It's why we celebrate Easter. It's the very message of God for you. And here's the greatest news about it. Jesus desperately desires to be in a relationship with us. Oh, he desperately desires that. He created a seat at the table for you and wants you to sit down and be a part of your life. This is what God is all about. Hey, it's what the movement church is all about. Closing the gap between the life that you're living and the life you were created to live. Oh, I, man, I, I would just beg of you. Let us be a part of this journey with you. 
We're not perfect, but man, we want to help you accomplish the dreams and the desires that God has placed in you. Give us that opportunity. That's why we're here. But it all starts with a decision, a choice. And that's what I love about God is he's never forcing himself on us, even though that's a common misconception that God is trying to make us believe something. No, he says, hey, you can live the life you're living or you can have the future I have for you. It's your choice. It's your choice. I love how Matthew chapter 11 says it. This is such a powerful way that it's painted in the message paraphrase. Verse 28, it says this. Are you tired and worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Some of us walked in that way today. Just exhausted. Just, just tired, tired of trying to make it happen on my own. Tired of the disappointments. Tired of feeling like I've been dropped. And look at what the scripture says. This is God's promise for, for you and for me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Look, God doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. He says, keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Your seat is searching for you. Your seat is secure, but it's your choice to take a seat. What decision will you make today? What decision will you make today? Not your neighbor or your friend, not your spouse or your boyfriend, your girlfriend, but you. What decision will you make today? For some today, this is a wake-up call, a reminder of God's plan for your life. Maybe you've kind of been holding the seat, but kind of leaning away, and maybe today's the day to come running back. For some of us today, it's taking a seat for the first time at a table with Jesus. I want to actually take a moment, and for the next few moments of our time together, I said nobody's walking around, nobody's moving, but would you do me a favor? Would you grab this survey card once more? Everybody pull it out from the pastors to our ushers and greeters. And it, if you're seated in the back section and you don't have this, just lift your hand and our usher will come to you quickly to get you a pen and a card. But everyone pull this out. And hey, listen, if you're that guy and you're like, I'm not going to fill that out, pretend. Just fake it for my sake. Just pull the card out and just write nothing and we'll turn in a blank one. I, I can understand. I might be like that too. Fill this thing out. And hey, listen, can I just... While you're grabbing that card, can I just ask you a favor? Hey, right here for just one moment. I know this is a, a, a challenging thing because so many of us have been burnt by others. And you th might be thinking, man, can I trust these people? And I don't know how to, to challenge you any more than just give us a shot. It's why we exist. But here's what I'd ask. It's a point of decision for all of us. I want to draw your attention to the back of the card. And there's four boxes, A, B, C, and D. And I'm going to ask that everyone check one of these boxes. And hey, look at me for a moment. Even if you don't check one, you are one. But I want to challenge you. Let me tell you what these boxes represent. Box A represents that I'm already in a real relationship with Jesus. 
Now, I, I put the word real relationship on purpose because for so many of us, we would equate church attendance to a relationship with Jesus. And my friends, that's not what I'm talking about today. But I'm talking about where you're just, you're not perfect, but just leaning into what God can and wants to do in your life. That you've made a decision to surrender your life to him. If that's you, then check box A. And for some of us, today is all about this next box, box B. If you're here today and you say, you know what, I, I need to start the journey. Look at me. I'm not talking about church membership. I'm not talking about getting everything right in your life. But for some of us today, checking box B is simply saying, today I'm beginning a relationship with Jesus. To start the journey, recognizing I don't have what it takes on my own and I need him. If that's you, check box B. This next box is, is really one of my favorites, and it's one of the reasons that we exist as a church. Box C is, I'd like to consider it a bit more first. And the reason I say it's one of my favorite boxes is because when we started this church, we did so not hoping that we would be a church full of just awesome Christians, but that both Christians and people that aren't sure what they believe could come and feel like they belong. And so maybe this is you, and listen, I see you anyways. You're like, I'm not singing that song. That guy told me to lift my hands if I felt comfortable. I never feel comfortable. That's okay. That's no problem. We don't care. I got no beef. You do you. Listen, here's what I would say. If this is you, box C, then you just come and check it out as long as you need. We are not going anywhere. You don't, don't sing the songs. Don't even smile. We can go hang out. You grab, eat, take all the free coffee you want. Never give a dollar. Check your kids in. You just do you. And you do, listen, that's why we're here. Check box C. We say it all the time because I mean it. Permission to belong before you believe. Some of my greatest friends have no desire to have faith in the same God that I believe in. They're not good friends. They're great friends. It's okay. You belong. If that's you, check box C. And then the last box, box D. I don't ever intend on making that decision. Now, I put this on here because some people came today with friends and, hey, I'm not doing this whole faith thing. Okay, great. Permission to belong before you believe. And we, we, I just ask you, if that's you, then have the courage to check it. And here's what we're going to do. And you may not like this, but we're going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you every week because I believe your greatest days are ahead of you and I believe it has everything to do with what God wants for you. I want to pray for us today. God, we just thank you that you've prepared a seat for us. That our past can't disqualify us. That nothing can take away your plans, your love, and your hope for us. That our seat is secure. That it's searching for me. And God, we know that it's about our choices that we make. So today, God, I pray for every individual in this room that we choose to take a seat at your table where we belong, where we have a purpose and a plan. In Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around just for a moment, but if you're here and you checked box B, for some people in this room, you checked box B, but you're really coming back to God. Maybe you prayed a prayer about this or, or you've been in a, a moment like this before, but you know you've been running from God and today's the day to come back. That's okay, check box B. And for some of us in this room, 
It's the first time we're making a decision of faith. And if that's you and you checked box B with heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around, I want this to become a reality for you. I'm not going to ask you to get out of your seat. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but I'm going to pray a prayer. And we're going to take this step of faith in reality. And I want to challenge you to pray this prayer with me in your own heart or in a small whisper. But let's make this a reality today. If that's you and you check box B, no one's looking around. Pray this prayer with me. And just make these words your own, in your own heart. Just say, dear God, I know you love me. That you've given me purpose. That you created a seat for me. Thank you for that. I'm not perfect, God. Just tell him, I'm not perfect. He's okay with it anyways. And then just make this prayer your own. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. God, we thank you that you're doing something miraculous right now. You're bringing dead things to life, bringing dreams to life, hope to life, faith to life. And God, we look to you as the beginning and the end, like the Bible says, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And we thank you for creating a seat at the table for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.